What's up? Pete Mundo here, heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks for checking out the podcast this week. And uh, please do give us a rating, review, subscribe, and we will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie if you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody sing. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun starts They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. Well, the offseason, yes, is in full swing, but there are still plenty of things to touch on across the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We appreciate many of you uh, making us part of your weekly routine, whether it's through the radio show or through podcasting, whatever it might be. Uh, Thanks for checking us out. Really appreciate that. So where I want to kick off this show is with the Big 12 coaches meetings that took place last week, and they took place for uh, all the Power 6 conferences, I guess you would say, the Power 5 and the American Athletic Association. They apparently get butthurt every time you call them uh, the AAC and not a Power 6 team or a Power 5 team. So whatever, make them feel good. Call them a Power 6 to uh, to get to the podcast today. We'll be fine doing that. So they uh, they all met last week out in Arizona. And one of the big topics that came up was whether or not teams are going to have to start using injury reports as legalized gambling, which was, of course, approved by the Supreme Court last year, is going to start taking hold in many states. Now, the Supreme Court ruling that allows all states to implement sports gambling, and some already have, West Virginia's ahead of the game, and uh, the other Big 12 states have yet to kind of really move ahead full steam with this but it's coming whether you like it or not it is coming and it is going to be happening and you can complain about it you can say it's not moral Uh, sorry you're in the minority it is happening it is coming if you don't want to be a part of it just don't do it right so now the deal is what do you do about injury reports now i'd say this and i will say this which is when you look at college football which of course does not have an injury report A lot of teams did not say a whole lot about what the status was of their players. Uh, Bill Snyder made a career not commenting on injuries. Now, he wasn't doing anything wrong, but a lot of people were often like, uh, you know, Bill, I get it. You don't have to do anything, but can you give me something here? He never did it. Okay, fine. So the question is, should college football start with injury reports? I think it's long overdue. 
first off, the fact that college football was pretending like because gambling wasn't legal, nobody was doing it, therefore let's not have injury reports. All you were doing was giving the guy or the gal an inside track for, you know, someone who knew somebody on the team or, you know, maybe was around the program, whatever it might be, who could tell a friend or tell somebody else. Uh, That stuff's been going on in college football forever. So I'm glad that the sport's waking up to some of this and saying, you know, it might be time for an injury report. Just do it like the NFL. It's not that difficult. It will uh, be good for not even just the gambling fan, just the fan in general. And, you know, it takes away some of this nonsense that some of these coaches are doing, which is never commenting on injuries. Now I get why they do it. I might do the same thing, but I'm glad this is something that is being discussed, and I hope that it is strongly considered, and I also hope, and it has to be, if it does get implemented, it can't be done conference by conference. You know, it's got to be done across the board. It's got to be a decision that is come to or voted on by the American Football Coaches Association board, and everybody's got to be on the same page. It can't have the Big 12 saying, here's our injury report, and the SEC says, well, we don't have one. And then the Big 12 plays the SEC or something, and then you got the Big 12 saying, here's our injury report. Can we have yours? Nah, uh, no, you can't. Sorry. So I hope that that does not happen. Here are some quotes from some of the Big 12 coaches on this issue. Tom Herman said, quote, I just wanted to be unified. I think the whole AFCA, everybody would have to be on the same page. Uh, absolutely true. Matt Rule of Baylor adds, quote, I want to give the media and the fans the best information, but I want to make sure I'm doing it in the right way. All right, he may not be as thrilled about the idea. Uh, What do you mean, given the information in the right way? I mean, Matt Rule coached in the NFL. He knows how it works there. It seems like a pretty easy, pretty obvious thing uh, to do, and I hope that it does get done. Yeah, I don't think it's happening this year. Pretty confident not happening this year. But as more and more states start to pass legalized gambling, I I hope that this becomes uniform. Uh, you know, I can speak for where I am in Kansas City. And here I can tell you what, it is not happening in this legislative cycle in Kansas or Missouri. Uh, it's also not happening in Oklahoma or Texas. All those states had recent bills introduced but not passed. The only Big 12 state that does have full-scale legalized sports betting is West Virginia. The other states that have it, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Nevada. Those are the states with full-scale legalized sports betting. There are a handful of states that have not even had you know bills introduced, not shocked by who they are and where they are. Utah, for obvious reasons. Then also Wyoming, Nebraska, Florida, Wisconsin, and Alaska. So there's your rundown right now, but don't kid yourself. It will be happening across the country here in the next few years, so it's smart for the Coaches Association to try to get ahead of the curve. Uh, I I looked at this, and Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, did a sit-down with the uh, Dallas Morning News, a little Q&A, and I wanted to share what I thought was most interesting from this Chuck Carlton piece. First off, I know and I understand that the job of somebody like Bob Bowlesby is to be essentially the biggest cheerleader for the conference. Totally get it. Case in point, that's what he does. But interestingly enough, uh, Bowlesby in this Q&A kind of acted like the Big 12 has never had any issues. So the question from Carlton was, quote, how do you look at the state of the Big 12, end quote? 
Bowlesby says, quote, I think the state of the conference is good, but I thought it was good before. And Carlton comes back and says, even during expansion Palooza, and Bowlesby says, it was a process we were going through. It's fine. Uh, Bob, and I think Bob Bowlesby's done great stuff for the Big 12. Bob, you know, don't kid yourself. The conference was about to explode several years ago. We were on the precipice of there being no Big 12 if, uh, you know, OU decides to go to the Pac-12 or Texas. And apparently, you know, that was like a couple hours away from happening. So, I I mean, for him to kind of have that revisionist history is, you know, a little dishonest with the reader here. Bowlesby goes on to say, quote, we continue to have our challenges. We brought in a lot of incremental money in the last three years. We just set the record for attendance at a conference championship football game. I think we're the only league with a college football playoff, men's final four, women's final four, and won the NIT. It's not like we're not competing at a pretty high level, end quote. Boom. That's absolutely true. But you can also say and you know, Bob Bowlesby, use this to pat yourself on the back, which is well-deserved. Use this to say, hey, we've been through some crap. I've tried to dig us out of that crap. I think I've done a pretty darn good job when it comes to making money and revenues. We are, you know, third of the Power Five conferences. When it comes to winning, we are uh, doing fantastic. We're the only team with a college football playoff contender and a Final Four contender each of the past two years. With OU on the football side, Kansas last year in basketball, Texas Tech this year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what you can point to. There is no shortage of successes for the Big 12 on the field, and now you've got the money rolling through, which is incredibly important. And let's be honest, that keeps everybody happy. You know, it keeps everybody happy. Bowlesby in this Q&A also pointed out, that uh, when it comes to looking ahead to 2025 and the expiration of TV rights, he did not seem like he was ready to go there just yet. He said, uh, we always have to drive revenue because that's one of the most important things we do with our schools. That's gone well. We can't forget about it. We have to do everything both with our regular season and our postseason that it's a springboard to competing at the national level. If we want to win national championships, we're close, but we have to get over that hump. He is right about that, though. The Big 12 has had a great resurgence when it comes to draft picks and on-field successes and depth and parity, all 100% true. But I think we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks back. Big 12's got to start winning titles in sports, I hate to say it, sports that matter. I'm not saying baseball doesn't matter or softball or uh, wrestling. You know and I know the money sports drive this stuff, all right? And I think the Big 12 is really close to making that happen. But, you know, you have OU in football at the top. You got Texas coming on strong with Tom Herman. Very good stuff there. We talked about Baylor being a team that can compete near the top of the conference, right? I mean, that's that's a conversation that we've had um, quite recently on this show. Iowa State, all of a sudden, Matt Campbell. You know, we'll talk about this later on, but Matt Campbell's getting transfers to pick the Cyclones over the Auburn Tigers. It's unbelievable. That would have been unthinkable a couple of years ago. And then you got the four new head coaches who I have a lot of confidence in, some more than others. But Neil Brown's a guy where, you know, if Neil Brown does what I think he can do and the success he can have at West Virginia, West Virginia is going to have to make sure he's not getting plucked away by Alabama if Nick Saban retires in a few years. 
That's how good this guy can be. Uh, There is a strong argument to be made that West Virginia upgraded in terms of specific sideline coaching. Very good argument to be made there. Matt Wells, I mean, Kirby Ocutt, with the hires this guy makes when it comes to uh, baseball and basketball, if Matt Wells is the next hire on that front, similar and as good as what he made in terms of uh, Chris Beard and Tim Tadlock, forget it. Tech's going to be playing in the college football playoff in three, four years. So there's a lot to like. A lot to like. But you got to keep that foot to the pedal, and Bullsby is right to say, well, we've had a lot of success. We do have to start winning championships, and that does not mean the NIT. It doesn't. And it doesn't mean the women's championship. Sorry, it doesn't. Got to roll with the big boys. Got to beat the big boys. Got to win those championships. And Texas Tech, God bless them, almost did it. Uh, OU was close a couple of years ago. But let's get over the hump. So a very interesting conversation with Bob Bowlesby. Good job by Chuck Carlton there, uh, Dallas Morning News. So coming up, uh, I mentioned there a big transfer for Iowa State. But what does it tell you about where the program stands? We'll get to it next. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Well, a couple of big transfers coming to the Big 12. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We appreciate you joining us, being a part of the show. Please do go sign up for our forums and message boards. They are free. Well, we mentioned Iowa State getting a big transfer this week, and uh, he is Arkansas grad transfer wide receiver LaMichael Petway. And this guy uh, is somebody who can have an immediate impact on this Iowa State receiving corps. He led Arkansas last year with 30 receptions, 499 receiving yards, scoring four touchdowns. He's got big playability, averaging nearly 17 yards per catch uh, in 2018. Now, we know that Iowa State is losing David Montgomery, is losing and has lost to Keem Butler. Both went to the NFL uh, and were drafted middle mid rounds, and they were huge parts of what this team did offensively. And you know, I'm thinking about this, and it's like, okay, there are some pieces coming back who you like, Deshante Jones, Tariq Milton. They combined for 80 catches, but are those guys game changers? I don't think a lot of people believe that to be the case. And I question that myself. Are one of those guys a true number one? I mean, I think Deshante Jones is a nice number two. I just, I don't think he's a number one. And I think that a guy like LaMichael Petway can be uh, maybe not Hakeem Butler, but can he be that 1A? Does he add to what that team has? No doubt about it. I mean, there's just no question in my mind he's somebody who at six foot two can have that type of impact. Six two two twenty. I mean, that's what you love to see in um, in a number one wide receiver. So, not asking him to be Hakeem Butler, but if he can help fill that void, it's a great thing for Brock Purdy. It's a great thing for Matt Campbell. It's a very good thing for the offense as a whole. Uh, so, huge job. Huge, huge job by uh, by Matt Campbell and Iowa State. And on top of that, they got him away from Auburn. Uh, this guy was going to transfer to the Auburn Tigers, and Iowa State says, now you're coming to Ames. Uh, to think that somebody like this three years ago 
with talent at a Power 5 level, proven talent at a Power 5 level. This is not a situation of a guy who like was at the FCS level and people are like, can he do it, can he not at the Power 5 level? He's proven himself at the Power 5 level, and he picks Iowa State over Auburn. Unthinkable a few short years ago, and it's happening. And don't forget, too, you got Tom Manning back in the fold now as the offensive coordinator. He went Iowa State, went to the Colts for a hot minute. Now he's back with Iowa State. Uh, This is the real deal, I think, up in Ames. And you talk about who can compete with OU, who can compete with Texas. Uh, The defense is back. We have more questions on the offensive side of the ball. But Petway helps uh, clear up some of those question marks that we do have on that side of the ball for the Iowa State Cyclones. So great grab there by Campbell and Co. Nice job there, fellas. Okay, also, the other addition you had this week on the transfer side was TCU getting Ohio State transfer quarterback Matthew Baldwin. This came and this broke from 24-7 sports, and Baldwin's a guy who was a late bloomer in high school because he played at Lake Travis High School outside of Austin, and he played behind Charlie Brewer. So he didn't start till his senior year because Brewer was tearing things up. He goes off to Baylor, of course, Baldwin plays one year, and he turns himself into a four-star prospect by the end of his senior season. And then he goes to Ohio State, uh, and he just finished up his redshirt freshman season. He has decided to transfer to TCU, and also a great grab for Gary Patterson, who needs to find himself an answer at quarterback. You know, I don't know if somebody like Alex Delton is going to be the guy that Sonny Cumbie, the offensive coordinator, wants to roll with. I mean, Sonny Cumbie throws the ball around, man. Uh, Gary Patterson brought him in to uh, bring a little more up-tempo, toss the ball around, offensive style to TCU that it was lacking when it came from the Mountain West Conference to the Big 12 Conference. Alex Delton at K-State was not a guy who you had confidence in throwing 10-yard out routes. I'm sorry. You didn't have that confidence. Ask any K-State fan. And I think they would absolutely agree with that sentiment. So now, what do you have in that TCU locker room? You've got Michael Collins, who... I mean, that's kind of Michael Collins. That's what he is after he got a couple of starts last year. And then you have the four-star prospects, uh, Justin Rogers and Max Duggan. Now, Rogers is the guy that when Sean Robinson transferred, everyone thought that Justin Rogers, if he could get over the knee injury and could improve himself on that front, he would be the guy that this program could rely on. He was finally going to be the prospect, the piece that Gary Patterson has needed at that position since Trevon Boykin left and since TCU was, I, I know they were in the Big 12 championship game, but let's not kid ourselves, Kenny Hill is not the guy that's going to win you a Big 12 championship. He's not. Now he can play well with a really good defense like he did at TCU, but you know, if you want to win a Big 12 title, you got to have somebody better than that. You have to have Trevon Boykin. Somebody of that caliber, just no question about it. Andy Dalton, if you want to go way back. Uh, Sean Robinson uh, was a disappointment. I hate to say it. I wish him well. Uh, It's not that I wanted to see him go, but he was a disappointment, I would say. Think about this. Gary Patterson made that guy a captain. He was at Big 12 Media Days last year, which is unheard of for Patterson to do for a true sophomore, and it just didn't work. Robinson left the program. Uh, but Rodgers is the guy, and, and we still haven't really seen anything from him. He's dealing with a knee injury dating back to his senior year of high school. 
he was part of the class of the 2018 uh, cycle, and he just hasn't even really seen the field. And Duggan, I mean, how much how much do you want to expect out of him? I know that we expect more and more now out of true freshman quarterback. I mean, we see this every year. Look at Brock Purdy last season for Iowa State. Uh, but this is a guy who was a four-star prospect, number five dual-threat quarterback in the country in the class of 2019. I'm not against going that route, but you want to have uh, some insurance, and that's what Gary Patterson did here by getting a guy like Matthew Baldwin from Ohio State into the mix. Now, Baldwin apparently is going to be eligible immediately. I don't know how he's going to get that waiver. He's going to apply for the waiver to be eligible immediately. We talked about this last week. It's a mess for the NCAA. There's no rhyme or reason for why some guys get immediate eligibility and some guys don't. And I have not seen anything yet proving that Baldwin uh, had any type of hardship at a place like Ohio State, and that's why he's transferring. So let's see how this plays out. Uh, But Baldwin telling 24-7, just four or five years ago, TCU was in the talk for the college football playoff, uh, but they can be a very winning program. Coaches are great, and apparently he knew Sonny Cumbie a bit before choosing Ohio State, and he loves Gary Patterson. So let's see. I'm excited. TCU's got options. Just got to see if somebody proves themselves here in summer camp. It's going to be fun to follow. One of the best quarterback battles to follow in the Big 12. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. We wrap up the show coming up next. Well, a few things to touch on as we wrap up the show. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to have you joining us, as many of you do each and every week. So uh, one thing I wanted to point out is that I saw a list on Twitter that interested me, and it listed all the Power 5 schools that are not playing an FCS opponent in 2019. And the only Big 12 school on that list, the Texas Longhorns. So, listen, I know there's a lot of Texas haters out there. I get it. Uh, You know, I understand if you're a Big 12 fan. uh, Certainly, Texas is probably enemy number one, I would imagine. But you got to give the Longhorns credit for this. They are not playing a single FCS team in 2019. That's that's pretty good stuff. You look at the non-conference, Louisiana Tech, LSU, and Rice. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. And I got to I got to break Baylor's chops a little bit because when they're going Stephen F Austin, UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio, and Rice, can you give me a an AAC school in there? Would it kill you? I, I know that Baylor's trying to do a better job, and maybe this year is just a an outlier. But man, I, you compare these schedules; it's night and day. Uh, you do, and and like Oklahoma's done a very good job of scheduling Power Five teams and big time Power Five teams. But OU this year has Houston, good game, Dana Holgerson, South Dakota. UCLA. South Dakota, of course, the FCS team in there. Now, the other one who, of course, loves playing uh, garbage schools. Well, there's really three Big 12 teams that are, as I see it, the most guilty of softening up their non-conferences, partially because that's what their head coach is like. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy's admitted as much. He likes the easy non-conference schedules to get ready for conference play. This year, though, they, you know, it's, it's okay this year. 
They have Oregon State. I mean, they're, they're bad, but at least they're Power Five. Uh, McNeese State and then Tulsa. And for Kansas State, and Bill Snyder was notorious for this, he never liked these big-time Power Five games in September. But, you know, to his credit, and I know he's no longer there, but they've got Nickel State, Bowling Green, and Mississippi State on the road. Uh, I like that Mississippi State home-and-home home that they've played the past couple of years. So kudos to uh, to the Wildcats. But, yeah, those are the three big offenders, as I see it, who always like to put in, uh, you know, soften the schedule as much as they can. But more so than ever, uh, there is a lot of pressure on Power 5 teams to get rid of the FCS game. You know, I see the value in the FCS game for a couple of reasons. First off, the FCS teams will make anywhere from a half a million to a million dollars. So from the Power 5 schools that basically pay them for the game. So it helps fund these FCS programs, which is good for, you know, if a kid can't play FBS, he can play FCS, get an education, probably not going to the NFL, but he gets an education and, you know, half a million, a million bucks can fund a lot of things for these, these athletic departments. But I just think this has to be uniform. And I know it's not going to happen anytime soon. At least I don't think it is. But you'd like to see it be like, okay, you got to play at least one Power 5 and you can only play one FCS. I know that some conferences are starting to do that. Uh, I, I understand that, which is a good thing. But I just think it needs to be universal across the board. And I would like to see that start across the board as, as soon as possible. If you recall, the Big 12, I think it was three years ago, adopted a rule that said you had to play at least one non-conference game against a power conference opponent each year. I guess Baylor, because their schedule was set for this season already, might have gotten away with it. Or I don't know if there was a cancellation there. I admittedly don't have that answer. But that's a good start. It's got to be across all Power 5 conferences. Just make it uniform. Make it the same. We talked earlier about this, having a uniformity when it comes to things like injury reports in college football. It should be the same way with scheduling. Everybody should play nine conference games. Everybody should play at least one Power 5 opponent, and you get no more than one FCS game. None of this SEC, oh, we're the SEC, so we can only play eight conference games. I mean, that's all we can do because the SEC is so difficult it's just such a difficult conference to play in. We can only do eight. Shut up. Alabama is playing in its non-conference. Let me pull it up for you here. They've got Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern Miss, and Western Carolina. Those are their five non-conferences. Then they've got the eight SEC conference games. I, you got three jokes in there, arguably four jokes, because Duke's taken a step back. They lost some big players last year, including their quarterback, Daniel Jones. You got New Mexico State, you got Southern Miss, and you got Western Carolina. And, of course, they always throw that dopey FCS game right before rivalry week because nobody can pick up on the fact that that's obviously a way to rest guys up as a bye. It is a joke. It is a total joke. This is one of those things in college football that has got to be uniform. And, hey, kudos to Oklahoma. I mean, they just uh, announced a home-and-home with Georgia for 2023 and 2031. uh, And the programs have only played once. It was in that college football playoff game a couple of years ago. And you think about what OU has done um, on the non-conference side, and, you know, it's, it's really impressive. They'll do Tennessee again. Uh, In 2020, then in 2021, they go Nebraska, 
Nebraska again in 2022. Georgia, you go to Michigan, a home and home there. Uh, LSU, it's Alabama in like 10, 10, 12 years from now. It's impressive what Lincoln Riley has done on this front in scheduling the big-time programs for the non-conference. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So keep putting pressure on your programs to get that not at least one a year that's solid that you can be excited about. I hate waiting until October to really get the season going. Uh, but we appreciate you joining us each and every week here on the show. It's great to have you on board, and please do check out our free new Heartland College Sports message boards where you can interact and chat with other Big 12 fans. No charge. Just have some fun. Come join us. And come join us next week. Same time, same place. Going to do it again. Going to have a great guest like we try to each and every week. And we'll talk to you then. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Always appreciate it. Please leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Helps us out a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And we'll send you a free koozie if you do it. Heartland College Sports Koozie. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.